Hello, welcome to ZX Spectrum. My name's Lizzie Hodgson. My name's Brandon Ruff. Um, we're called uh, ZX Spectrum because I'm of Generation X. And I'm of Generation Z. And we thought it would be quite nice to sort of discuss all things digital, technology, marketing, that sort of stuff from two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, we might agree on some stuff and we might not agree on other bits. Uh, so as a bit of an introduction, uh, I'm Brandon and uh, I'm 17 years old and I run a marketing agency uh, which is a new brand called Internet Ready and uh, I basically work on sort of marketing and consultancy all around Gen Z so I'm the only person in the world that does it um, and I work with mainly bigger brands on how they can better tailor their content to our generation. And I'm also on the advisory board of Think Nation. My name is Lizzie Hodgson, I'm founder and director of Think Nation and we humanise the impact of technology on young people. We work with 14 to 24 year olds but we also bring in uh, technologists, artists, creatives, musicians, a whole range of different people, smash those silos together so that we can explore the big topics in technology. This week Brandon has decided on the Love Island effect. Why have you chosen this as our first one? Uh, well, to be honest, Love Island is hitting sort of new records um, and it's becoming sort of a huge sort of generational talking point, definitely within sort of my friendship group. So I'm uh, 17. The kind of key demographic at the moment that ITV2 are hitting yeah. is sort of 16 and 34 year olds and is looking at sort of a 52% share which the only numbers that sort of rival that are Britain's Got Talent. Okay. Um, but that's direct numbers, not as a percentage, so it's the highest sort of percentage-wise show. Um, so that means brands that are looking to get into those people's eyes, because lots of those people are already converting away from television and onto things like Netflix and YouTube and the online space. It's bringing their eyes back and getting sort of high-value advertising space for advertisers at the moment. Um, and it's also one of the biggest shows at the moment that I think that has a sort of key strategic product placement in it, um, which obviously up until sort of 2011 uh, wasn't really allowed at all. And when the advertising uh, sort of standards agency in the UK changed that, you'll see now, and uh, I, I saw a recent poll recently, 90% of people didn't have a clue what the little P that comes up on screen means, but the little P that comes up on screen means there's product placement. Um, so some of the brands that are product placing in Love Island are things like Samsung with their phones. Um, you've got like uh, Superdrug, I think um, there was this big sort of thing around, uh, there was this sort of perfect shot that had like uh, Superdrug products in the background, sort of on purpose, and then Misguided are uh, huge at the moment in the fact that they're providing lots of the clothes for the contestants. Um, and Ministry of Sounds did a huge, huge party disco um, that was the Ministry of Sound Disco, um, which was sort of a huge product placement for the Love Island album that they're releasing at the same time. You said that a lot of people didn't understand what that little P was in the corner. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's something that they've got educated on or do you think that that's something that they, they, they're okay, comfortable with? If I'm honest, I feel like people just don't know. Like, you don't really realise. Because I've, I've consumed a lot of content online and, you know, I understand product placement, I, I'm not surprised to see them in these things, but I'm not a consumer, you know, I don't watch soaps, I don't watch these sort yeah. of these sort of, uh, these sort of shows, but is it a necessary thing? Do you think we're going to see more of that? Well, I, th I think it's really interesting. So the outlook that the British uh, advertising agencies used to have on it was that product placement is terrible. So as you probably know from sort of American media and yeah. that sort of thing, it's humongous. 
even when originally, like back in the day, when things shows like um, Pop Idol and, and things like that were shown, the the mugs would have been like covered up. Yeah, I remember that. Those, um, those pixelated cola mugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where obviously they Coca Cola, but they can't, you know, show that. And sort of 2011, there was sort of a shift, and there was a shift that allowed product placement, um, which I guess is kind of controversial. But at the end of the day, I don't think it necessarily harms the shows too much but there is like that sort of line that you're drawing uh, we have the love island app which i'm going to pop up for your viewing yeah um but anybody that sort of has the love island app at home will know what i mean but love island app is integrated with misguided for example you can see what people are wearing and then you can buy it it's an immersive frictionless way of marketing yeah stuff I just I find it really interesting though in the fact that that sort of thing wouldn't be allowed on social media at the moment. Um, so if we look at say YouTube videos yeah. a few years ago, I don't know if you remember in the news press, but uh, a big YouTuber called uh, Emma Bradbury and another guy called Luke, his surname has left my head, uh, they did a big promotional deal for Oreo that was almost like a product placement and stuff yeah. like that. But they got kind of thrown through the media for the fact that they didn't disclose it. And at, at that time, there was no guidelines around that. So now they've sort of put specific guidelines in place. We are so used to advertorials in publications. And you see, you know, you see it when you go on like news sites, like the Mirror the news site, it'll say advertorial. It'll, mm. And it's all part of your kind of consumption. We have them in on Instagram. You do have adverts, things like that. So it's not, it's not, kind of like brand new stuff and also advertising has been done since there's been stuff to sell and yeah, there's been yeah. a market to sell to advertising's happening the love island app is meant to be sort of the pinnacle so unlike other shows where they've got phone in votings and stuff like that all the voting is done through the app and it's all done relatively quickly so the show will finish at 10 o'clock and you'll cast your votes by half past 10 so it's very quick window you go on the app you do it's that it's in the moment it's yeah, often yeah, yeah. now it's getting that and also, getting your attention yeah, yeah. whilst you've got the and attention and also in uh, in the after sun which happens every Sunday they do a mega poll which is in the app um, and the app is used for like it's got the Love Island shop in it so Love Island do sell their own sort of merchandise but not the sort of traditional merchandise uh, to be to give credit to them they sell water bottles they with sell your, with your name on yeah yeah so they're customized yeah. water bottles they sell customized wa- wash bags sort of all that sort of like customized content um, i think they've just released a new wristband that has like single on one side and coupled up on the other it's got the misguided section and it's also just got a general feed of what's going on in love island um so like clips and stuff like that so you can sort of bounce on with the show and one of the key things the app does as well, which is humongous, is it sends you a notification every night at about two minutes before the show starts to remind you that the show is starting. Oh, actually, I just got a notification a minute ago that goes, a mysterious new girl lures Alex and Jack away from the villa. Um, and then there was one last night, date night for the new boys, Idris and Kieran. What I'm interested in exploring is, you know, with, with TV, when the adverts came on, you'd get up and you'd go and make yourself a cup of tea. Yeah. That was how you used to do it, or you can have ad blockers, or you can have. But if they're immersing themselves within the actual kind of content itself that you're consuming, yeah. where is that? You know, where is that kind of relationship of the of you are no longer just a passive viewer, but you are actually seen as you are going to consume this in different ways. Yeah. And, and that's that's where I'm kind of like interested to know what whether that is a good thing. I mean, or whether it's just inevitable, and how can we? explore ways in which maybe you don't want to which is you know don't watch the, t- don't watch yeah. the show how the the ad 
ad system works in the UK is it is very much self-policing. Um, and the most effective way to advertise, to be honest with you, is within content. The way it works in some ways is you're drawing an ethical line because you can see that ethics can be pushed. Um, so something like uh, with the Cambridge Analytica scandal recently, uh, which was um, sort of crossing that line of like using people's personality traits uh, sway their political views, which is where you draw the line. I and mean, obviously there's different rules and regulations around political advertising and things like that. Um, but that's sort of an example of how marketing because they are a marketing agency, they can do that. But, but again, this is where, you know, organisations have blatantly flouted those rules. And I know Facebook got um, fined, uh, was it half a million pounds? So they've got to pay that. But that's meaningless, really. There's no teeth to any of this. There's no real bite to it. And also, do people, ultimately, do people care? Yeah. With... It's the difficulty in the way, and I know this is a key difference between sort of millennials yeah. going up to your generation, is we're a lot more aware of what's going on. So I think our generation are a lot more aware that this guy did a pay to have their, their content there. I think the difficulty is advertisers are having, um, or they're going to have in the sort of next uh, sort of like 10 to 20 years time, is the fact that it's not so easy to advertise. So services like uh, YouTube Premium, which just launched in the UK, Netflix, Amazon Prime, that remove adverts um, from those sort of like channels, even something like YouTube, which has a lot of advertising, you can now buy yourself out. And they gave a three-month free trial. So for the next, you know, three months, I'm not going to be seeing any adverts. This is an interesting thing. So opting out of these things and, and kind of like almost like, you know, protecting your privacy or, or how you get, you know, what you are faced with your consumption of content becomes a premium yeah and then it becomes difficult to advertise and they have to find new ways to do it and people aren't reading newspapers you'll see most of the online newspapers are going to paid subscription models because advertising isn't paying as much well well it, there's, um, there's paid well some of the news organizations are so the mirror is still absolutely free you have to with the mirror what they're interested in what they're doing is if you you click on a, a story and then they want you to answer questions oh, okay. to unlock that yeah. content. My main news source is the BBC. Yeah. It's about 108, uh, 150 quid a year or right. something like you that. You know, and you don't just get, you oh. get everything, you get so much. But also with, um, and then they've got organisations like The Guardian where they, they are asking for subscriptions. So you, you, subs you support that news organisation. Yeah. It's still free content, but then there's add-ons and things like that. The, the 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 paywall element you know works for some. I think the Sun, the Sun tried going paywall online, and they had to abandon it because it just didn't work. Yeah, um, I feel like the Sun is a yeah. caught up prime demographic that wouldn't pay for that yeah. sort of content because, in my opinion, the Sun doesn't necessarily produce the most the best editorial content. I mean, it, I think it fills a certain section, um, but uh, not a section that I feel like they could get, say, £5 a month out of. And the, the other thing I've noticed news organisations are doing, they're doing far more interesting, longer-form uh, format content. So videos, they're doing a lot more mm -hmm. videos, and then they're reappropriating them yeah. to go onto social and to pull people back into that content. And that does kind of like bring us back to this sort of like, you know, billions are watching Love Island. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and it's the, it's the we want to, we want to be part of this. We want to have content. We like content. We like watching stuff. Well, Love Island is amazing in this fact that it, 
it like brings out this sort of huge sort of social thing that I don't think you can see with any other show at the moment. Maybe when Netflix drops, say, a new season of Stranger Things or something like that, you get that sort of media frenzy and you sort of get that trending on Twitter when people are talking about it. Don't forget news organisations. I mean, they're all part of this. They scroll through news organisations online, you know, the red tops or the popular press. <laughs> they'll, they'll have supposed news stories about Love Island, about what's happened. They're all part of this. This is all yeah, part yeah, yeah. of the machine. And they and Love Island's like is pretty much trending on Twitter every night as on in the UK. And it feels into the news cycle. I know this morning and Good Morning Britain have huge sections on Love Island every morning. And I think that also comes from and it appears Morgan on Good Morning Britain is something that's very anti Love Island and obviously it, it makes for an interesting television. Um, and then this morning, uh, Holly and Holly and Phil are quite big fans of Love Island in general, and they have people on the show that they want. And it's the thing that interests that sort of like those sort of people. Um, and the show has just turned into almost like this catalyst for a lot more. So the show is actually a small part of the bigger picture, isn't it? So it's yeah. at the heart of it, but so much more content actually comes out of that. You know, the, the, those each yeah. episode, it's just, it's incredible how much is reappropriated, as I say, and the discussions around it. And then there's After Sun. Yeah, so yeah. After Sun happens so once a week. So After Sun happens yeah. after, once a week, which is kind of like the similar thing with, you know, the Big Brother, they had all of the, you know... Yeah, the little After the Shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. But what's the point of it all, though? I feel like it's just one of those shows where it's kind of what I would call putting the area of crap entertainment in the fact that... <laughs> I don't know if this is commonly known, but like lots of Love Island is staged. Well, not staged in the way it's kind that of, it's there. It's a little bit dramatised reality, a little bit. Yeah, so like producers are on hand all the time, so yeah. if they want to ignite a conversation or have people, you know, like there's this common thing where it'd be like somebody will walk over and be like, oh, can I have a chat to you? And like most people think, oh, maybe that's them chatting, but obviously like the producers are there. There's a script, um, there's, a, there's a story arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the relationships and everything like that, I don't doubt are real, and to an extent, but I feel like they, they genuinely, people genuinely are interested in each other, and the producers play off of those more than anything, yeah. and they bring in interesting factors. So earlier in the season, a big, strong couple in this is uh, uh, Danny Dyer, yeah. who's the, obviously the, Danny Dyer's, Dyer's daughter, daughter yeah. um, and then another guy called Jack, and they brought in Jack, and they're the strongest couple in there by far, and they brought in Jack's ex just to stir it up, because the producers know it causes controversy and stuff like and that. And Danny, and probably, you know, Danny Dyer, the actor Danny Dyer, yeah. has, he's, he's, he's everywhere at the moment as well. Drama and what the dad thing. It's, it's incredibly well-crafted. Yeah. I mean, it is so multi-layered. Yeah, but it gets, it's like the line, I think there was a key sort of line drawn with, with that Danny, Danny Dyer situation um, in the way that uh, they showed just a small clip. So they split up the boys and the girls into different villas um, and uh, they showed Danny a small clip of Jack coming in and being shocked to see his ex come in. And she had a whole mental breakdown. That's all the producers showed her, and that will see a part and everything like that. And there were 650 complaints to Ofcom that evening. Yeah. Um, because of sort of the emotional level that they put her through. So it's like drawing that line where the producers sort of intervene. But obviously, Love Island is, is a constructed show, it's on six days a week. The show doesn't start in the morning and finish in the evening. It could start um, in the morning, yeah, go to the evening, and then the following night yeah. could just be about that evening yeah. or something like that. So they have days of the week off, 
and they leave the villa and stuff like that. They're not confined to just the villa. Obviously, they're kept away from social media and technology and they don't really know what's going on outside. But they are allowed outside the villa and things like that. They're not captives. Um, no, and they, they're treated quite nicely. Yeah. The place is cleaned by cleaners every week. I just question, what is it kind of, what are the messages it's giving out? Yeah, well, there was this interesting thing, a chap in there called Adam. Before he's left, he's left now, but before he left, he went through about four different girls. Yeah. Um, and he treated them, in my opinion, kind of really, really badly. Um, and there was this whole sort of debate that was sparked around treating how you should, treat, you should people, treat people, where sort of the line of sort of emotional abuse and stuff like yeah. that is drawn. Yeah. Um, and I think that came out as quite a positive message out of it in the way that that sort of sparked awareness around that. And also Niall, who was another chap in there, left nine days in for sort of yes, for sir, sort yes. of his mental, his health. mental health. I think that sort of sparks an important discussion and then obviously as well recently um, we've also unfortunately had the passing of uh, of a season series two 2016, um, yeah. contestant uh, Sophie Cadden who, who passed away. Everybody that goes into this show is going to make more money out of the show than they ever would in the show. I think the contestants get paid £200 a week TV shows in general get a bit funny when you don't pay talent and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, but that works out for filming hours. I think I read somewhere to like two pound eighty an hour or something stupid. So they don't get paid a lot, but they get paid enough. But when they come out, they get paid a stupid amount. And it's interesting this year. The rumours currently have it, although it hasn't been confirmed or anything like that, is that ITV are planning on taking I think around a ten percent cut of the Love Island contestants' earnings for the next three years. Because ITV can see the effect that the show will have. And I've, I read an article somewhere that said that uh, Danny, Danny and Jack, who are the biggers, are going to, like, their managements are already having discussions for, like, million pound deals or whatever. So, ultimately, what is the point of Love Island, then? In some respects, I think people watch it, ITV make it, ITV make a lot of money off of it. Um, there is no doubt about that. I would say it's probably their most valuable show on on ITV2 at the moment. Um, it's their most viewed show. Is it timely escapism? Yeah. I always for, for me, it's almost like the enjoyment is I sit down at, say, 9 o'clock yeah. every night and you watch this kind of show that you know is going to... It's kind of funny, it's kind of hilarious, and it kind of, I guess it is sort of escapism. It's not about, like, people getting together and stuff like that. It's just about interactions. And I think reality TV always has that sort of, like, funny interactions and... Love Island, I feel like, is just a way where that's sort of accelerated. So shows like TOWIE, for example, those people go home and they have lives outside of the show, whereas these people live together 24 hours a day, so it sparks this whole sort of new, almost accelerated relationships and accelerated friendships because they're around each other 24-7. Is it harmless escapism? I don't think it causes harm. If anything, I think it sparks discussions. You can see, as you say, it's all on social media. People are discussing it in the offices. People are discussing it, you know, in schools, things like that. It's on for two months, so it will wrap up at the end of July. And Love Island's going to be expanding. So ITV have announced that they've signed six new countries. So Love Island Australia is airing at the moment. Um, and it's actually filmed. They're still filmed in Mallorca, so they're filmed just up the road. Um, and it's a huge, valuable asset. And I think it's a great way for marketers to engage with uh younger people as well. Um, so one of the biggest successes that have come out of sort of Love Island is, uh, and it kind of relates to what we're doing here, is yeah. the Love Island podcast, yeah. which is called Love Island the Morning After. And it's released at 8am 
the morning after. Yeah. Um, and uh, that has been humongous success in the way that it's pretty much occupied the number one slot on uh, the sort of Love Island, on not the Love Island, the iTunes uh, store yeah. uh, for the past, you know, since the start of May. It's made this sort of interesting new sort of like concept and the shows are only 20 minutes long the, the whole thing about podcasts which is why we're doing the podcast is because audio is just so a it's easy actually to produce yeah it's a lot less uh, effort than videoing and editing and all of that or even just writing just writing yeah it's yeah. a lot it's, but also it's a lot easier to consume all you need to do is plug your headphones in or put it on your car or whatever it is and press play and i think that that I think this is an interesting thing. Who would have thought that a podcast in 2018 would be, you know, around a TV show, would have such a phenomenal impact? But this is where it's interesting to see where content is going. Audio is huge, and and I think it's going to get bigger. I think it's really smart how Love Island will pull it in the morning at 8 o'clock. So for people that are commuting to work or in the car or whatever, they can stick on this podcast... Um, and it also, I think, has introduced a lot more people maybe to podcasting yeah. um, in the fact that it's a discussion show. You don't really learn it. It's people, it's filmed in the UK and they're just discussing what went on, almost in the way that you discuss it with your friends. Again, it's inclusive. Yeah. You feel part of it. You kind of like get excited. And I think also, um, I th- as I say, audio is, I think it's been undervalued for a while. Now we're getting it the podcast is a very very clever thing that they've done then yeah and i think it's going to be something that grows and expands and and is is a medium that i think is going to fit into our lives for a long time well especially as, um, we, as, as we are you know yeah. voice voice activated things and you know the the, the voice and audio is going to be yeah because i think people are more commonly going to start to have speaker systems in their houses and sort of that sort of model, so they're going to be able to listen to music a lot more, and obviously the, we could do a whole podcast in the future about how the music industry has changed yeah. in this generation. They're just opening this new door that, that like becomes a bit more interesting. Why don't they just have regular-looking people in it? Um, it's actually interesting that you go on to that, because like 150,000 people applied, but lots of the people that are in the show are actually selected from that they they may not have even applied they're so they might have, or they're, they're, they they're might scouted yeah so they yeah. might have similar to what happens on shows like britain's got talent and stuff yeah. like that and i feel like for people that don't know this i'm kind of ruining the magic for lots of them but like britain's got talent goes out and finds talented people and yeah. asks them to come and audition yeah. on the show that's kind of just how the industry works and it's the same with love island now find people on instagram that are good looking and stuff like that I kind of see it from the other angle in the fact that, yeah, you don't have, say, normal people on there, but the people that are on there, um, yeah, they're on Instagram and, you, and, and you, you see the photos that they put up and stuff like that. But I always think it's kind of good in the way that it sort of rips back the curtain, do you get me? So they yeah. will walk around with that makeup on. And, yeah, they're sort of attractive people, but it kind of takes away some of the images that you'd get of them. So it's sort of like... That's an interesting um, way of putting it. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. So like, because obviously most of the time they're not wearing makeup or they wear makeup in the evenings, but not during the day. So you see them with that makeup, you see sort of a different side to the sort of perfect image that they would be online. But is it still not a real reflection? No, it? obviously it's not. not you know. But then it's a constructed show. People have been like, oh, I wonder if they'll in a few years' time change it up or whatever. I can't see that happening okay. because I honestly think 
kind of like the beauty of the show is that you've got these, and, and some of them are really intelligent. It's not an intelligence thing. I think it's too damaging in comparison to these magazines that have photoshopped images and stuff like that and, and produce that. Because at the end of the day, these people are, yeah, they're attractive, but they're also, they talk about stuff that is sort of relevant to us. But that's also in the edit, isn't it? There's the, the way that Love Island edit is such a distinct and apparent way that I think also contributes to their success. And also the voiceover guy, uh, Ian Sterling, yes. um, who's a comedian, adds a huge sort of character and building to the show. And you can't, I don't think you can really deny that the editing plays a humongous role yeah. in it. And that isn't just cutting stuff out, it's also how they factor their shots in, well, how they, they create suspense. How they build, how they build the story up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes yeah. back to, you know, this is a, and, this is a, this has got a, this yeah. is like a, a narrative to it. And they do that in such a way that's so intelligent. In the, and that's why the show's successful, I think, in some respects. And it's produced by the same people. Um, and that's down to, that, that sort of represents the style of Love Island they've built. So do you think Love Island's going to be around for a while? Yeah, I think it's going to be around for a long while. And it's expanding to sort of six other countries. And it's going to be sort of growing I think I think it will turn into sort of the next sort of Britain's Got Talent X Factor that sort of section in the way that those those shows went globally um, and they're still very very successful today. Do you think this is a this is a model that can be transferred into other sort of areas not just sort of you know the, the Instagram entertainment? Well stuff? I'm really interested to see if a uh, sort of online distribution channel could replicate a show like this. Um, so something like YouTube or something like Netflix, Netflix or something yeah. like that and could uh, um, integrate that. I think it would personally work better on something like YouTube over something like Netflix uh, just because YouTube has that sort of more community aspect than Netflix does. Um, but Netflix, it could work just as well, but it would be closer to the television model than, say, YouTube. And I, do, I, and I think it would just be super, super interesting just to see how they sort of evolve... Um, and it is, I would say it's, it's like, I only watched three shows on television, and that's Doctor Who when that comes out, I watch EastEnders, um, which is also kind of a load of crap as well, um, and, uh, and Love Island, yeah. and, and like, it's that sort of one show that's keeping yeah. me sort of on television, yeah. and to be honest, out of the three shows I've just named you, it's the only show that has adverts in, um, and it's the only show that would be able to engage me in that way. People love to be part of something, don't they? They love to be yeah. part of of something I mean even with the whole you know we've obviously got England who've been in the World Cup but even with the loss there was a you know there's a great deal of kind of community and feel that you're part of something the only thing I've watched all summer really is the World Cup they thought that the wedding was going to be the biggest event of the year but the World Cup's overtaken that um, it's had more viewers than the wedding I think with this year with with the World Cup it's it's with England you know the whole thing around England is Nobody was expecting us to get this far. Yeah. And the other thing is that it's quite the, the actual whole kind of identity of the team is, is less arrogant, they're more humble, the way that they conduct themselves on interviews, there's a self, there's a self um, kind of like awareness of them. Yeah, the new team are really, I mean? really fantastic. Really fantastic, yeah. great role models without it being cheesy, but they're also, you know, they're, they're, they're on social media, they're funny on social media, and the way that they conduct themselves on and off the pitch, they're just, they feel like they're normal human beings. Yeah. Relatable. That's the thing that branding does nowadays. In the fact that even if you look, you know, spinning it back to Love Island, the Love Island Twitter 
uh, and the ITV2 Twitter as well, they create relatable content that can be shared around easy. So it's about humanising them. And obviously with the World Cup, we have direct humans, but like the show's able to do that in a way that just everything becomes relatable. And yeah, okay, we're not going to go to villas and we're probably never going to, any of us are going to play in the World Cup, do you get me, or anything like that. But it makes you feel like you're part, part of, of something. You're part, you're part of something. Of something. Part of something um, that's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And also, as I say, um, a little bit hopeful and positive. That's yeah, and, the I, thing. And, I, and I think lots and lots of shows do that as well, maybe not to the extent that like, I Love Island does it, but something like Doctor Who, which I, I know I briefly mentioned, is a huge sort of like conglomerate yeah. in the way that it integrates people in that, and that does that over a longer period of time. Whereas Love Island is something that's very quickly, yeah. so it's kind of accelerated very quickly. Whereas something like Doctor Who is has had a stable fanship over time that sort of will get excited together. We like to find our tribe. That's what it is. Yeah, and 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 uh, I'll talk to like my friends about sort of Love Island yeah. and what's going on, and 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 you talk, and it becomes a discussion point, yeah. and it becomes something that's sort of interesting. Yeah, and I think that that's the positive side of this. Brandon, yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you.